Good morning. Uh, glad that you're here. How many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? Wow, couple. You must have just been like an Amazon kind of shopping thing. Yeah, figured. Everybody had a good Thanksgiving? Now, did anybody have like, you know, like the typical Thanksgiving is you have turkey, right? Did, did anyone here not have turkey? Like had something else besides Sonny? Sonny, you didn't have turkey, right? Y'all had Chinese food, yeah. The Korean Sunny Hong had Chinese food. Anybody had fried turkeys? You had fried turkey? Anybody had boiled turkey? Did, did you even boil turkeys? Can you boil a turkey? <laughs> That's the next day. <laughs> Somebody explain to Sonny what joke is. I'm not sure he knows. Because, uh, yeah. Well, really glad that you're here. Um, you know, just... Um, it's been good coming back from my sabbatical. You know, just have different kind of eyes. And one thing that I do know is that we really need God the Holy Spirit to show up. And I think, you know, when we come to the next, uh, when we get into 2018, I think we're going to do a really good study uh, time here on, on, on who the Holy Spirit is. Because there's all kinds of um, ideas and um, you know, I, you know, perceptions of what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is, but I think we really need to understand that um, in a greater way. In fact, why don't we pray right now, and uh, let's invite uh, God to, to be with us. Father, we are just grateful um, that we're here. Sometimes we just take it for granted uh, that we're here. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity we have just to, to come and 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 worship you, and join together as your body uh, in freedom, at least for now. And uh, we're just grateful. Father, we ask now that, um, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, will you just come and lead us into truth this morning? That uh, it wouldn't just be um, an obligation, it wouldn't just be a service, but it would really be a time, continue to be a time in which we just connect with you, that we hear from you, that you would speak to us heart to heart, that this would be a heart to heart talk with you. I pray that you would open our hearts. Father, it's so easy just for us to come here and just a part of our week, we come here Sunday mornings, we do the God thing, check it off our list and just go on our merry way. But I pray, Father, today would be different. That we would open our hearts. And right now, just open your hearts. And just say, Holy Spirit, I give you freedom to speak to me. That I want to hear from you. I pray, Father, that today, that we would leave, every person here would leave this place knowing that they heard from Almighty God. That every person here, no matter where we are, we would leave 
this place more in love with Jesus than when we came. And so we just thank you for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we're here in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, one night I, I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep. And um, so, you know, I just got my phone and I don't know why. I, I never do this, but like I found this silly game. Uh, it's called like um, mini golf finger putt, you know, like, you know, putt putt golf on your phone. And I was, and I was playing that thing for a while. And, and, you know, like most games, either that or ADD or something, uh, it just like gets boring after a while, right? Because, you know, it gets, starts off really easy. And because they try to hook you in, and then, then it gets to a point where it's really hard. It's like, ah. But then, um, so I was just ready to like, you know, enough of that. I was just going to delete it because I don't want to have all this weirdo apps on my, my phone. And so I was ready to delete it until I found this, I found this redo button, you know. Like there was this redo button, and that was a game changer for me. It was like. No matter how badly I, I, I did this or like that, and the thing was weird, and I thought, oh, I didn't realize that that was there. I knew I could just go back, and I just kept redoing, 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 you know. And then, you know, you just keep redoing until, okay, hole in one, and hole in one, hole in one. And then, you know, it was like, great. And, um, you know, I was thinking about that, and I thought, man, you know, that game was just, was, just, was, was, was easy because I had the luxury of that redo button. But then I was thinking about how, unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of a redo button in life, right? You know, I was thinking, man, it would be great if we had a redo button in life. You know, we can learn from our experiences. Um, you know, we can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from those moments where we wish we had a redo. You know, we could learn so much, but we don't get redos in life. You know, we just don't get redos, you know. And um, I was thinking about how, you know, I'm now a father of adult kids. And, um, I, you know, I just, it's just mind-boggling to me how quickly time flies. I mean, it's just crazy how fast time flies. You know, our friend Daniel So here, um, they just celebrated the one-year uh, birthday of, of their daughter. And if you would ask Daniel, he would say, oh, time flew. Just wait, 20 years goes by like that. You know, it does. You know, one day you'll be old like me. <laughs> and it'll be faster than you think, you know. But then I'd be 20 years that. Anyway, so, but time flies, you know. And I was, you know, going to Los Angeles and, 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 and seeing my, my firstborn daughter, you know, uh, settle into her job, you know, in Los Angeles, you know, city 2,500 miles away. Um, all kinds of thoughts were running through my mind. You know, it's like, man, I mean, um, is she ready to do this? You know, am I ready for her to do this? You know, um, did we do everything uh, we could? You know, um, and I, I thought, like, you know, there were so many things I know with all three of the kids, I, so many things I could have done a whole lot better. You know, that I, um, there's so many things that I could have done better. There's so many things that I shouldn't have done, you know. And um, I wish there are times that, man, you know, um, I wish I had the luxury of that redo button. You know, but there's just no redos in life. And, you know, as I thought about 
life and that magical redo button, you know, I came to the conclusion that even if we had that in life, even if we had the luxury of having a mulligan or pressing a button and we go back, I, I kind of believe that, that we'd kind of still make the same choices, you know, that we'd still make the same mistakes with probably the same results. Because unless something changes inside of us, you know, something inside of our hearts and inside of our souls, if that doesn't change, you know, even if we had that button, we do the same thing. It's like dieting, right? You know, we, we try every diet under the sun. And, and, you know, it seems to work for a little bit. You know, I don't know how many times I've used the app Lose It on my phone. You know, I start off counting them calories. And it's really good for the first two or three meals, you know. And then I forget all about it. And then I just go back. Or like, like right after Thanksgiving, where we, you know, we have um, lunch with uh, my wife's family, and then we go and have dinner with, with my side of the family. And it's like, by the end of that day, it's like, man, you just like, ah, with food, you know. And I, and I go home, I think, you know, next year, man. Next year, you know, I'm just eating salad. Just salad, you know. But when next year comes around, same old lunch with that, dinner here, going home, I think I'll just have salad, you know. And I believe that that something's got to change inside of us. Otherwise, we just keep doing the same thing. You know, and in LA, um, our daughter took us to a church that she had gone to earlier when she was, an in, you know, when she was doing her internship there. It's a church called Mosaic. And the pastor, Ern McMan- McManus, uh, he had gotten back. He had just written a book. And, and he was speaking. And it was one of those. It's something like how it happens to all of you every week, you know. That, you know, that when he was speaking, it was like God was speaking to me. You know how it is here? Like when I speak, God just speaks to you. Right? you know? but, but it was like that. It was like God was just speaking right where I was. In the midst of all the questions, all the shoulda, woulda, couldas, you know, all the feeling, man, you know, all that stuff. God was speaking to me. And he was saying, it was so clear. It was like he was saying, Mark, what are you really living for? Mark, who are you really living for? And I was thinking about that, and I knew it was God, and I knew it was a defining moment in my life, and I knew that something needed to change. And it, it was like one of those defining moments, and I, and I looked back, and I realized on the sabbatical was rest and all that. Yeah, it was sort of that, but it was something more where God was, was like setting me apart, so I wouldn't have any excuses. And, and he wanted to do something inside of me. And I decided that something needed to change. And so I just took steps of faith. Weren't really huge ones, but they were steps of faith. And, and, and I believe with all my heart that something did change. You know, something changed. That, that um, it became the catalyst uh, in my life and, and, and for how I look at things and really the catalyst for, for us as a church going for broke. 
I mean, for just going for broke and giving everything we have uh, to the Lord. And because going for broke is changing what needs to be changed in our lives. See, going for broke is just not just rushing forward, but it's changing what needs to be changed in our lives and in our hearts so that we can follow Jesus holding nothing back, you know. And I just keep praying for us, and I say, God, as a church, may we be a church that doesn't collect a group of fans, that this would never be the Jesus fan club, but this would be a place where if you want to follow Jesus, this is the place for you, that that we're going to be a church that's going to raise up and train and encourage and do everything we can to help people move from being just fans of Jesus to followers of Jesus. And Erwin McManus, you know, said in his book, it's, it, it's, it's, it's saving nothing for the next life. You know, that's like the subtitle of, of, of his book. You know, he wrote this book called The Last Arrow. And it says, save nothing for the next life. Because the truth is, we only got one, right? There is no next life in which we can redo all the things we've done. And so his whole premise is, you know, just, just live your life and hold nothing back, save nothing for the next life. And the truth is, what I came to grips with when he gave that challenge and when God was speaking to me and here I was just like, like man, I just, I couldn't, it was just hard to leave my daughter in Los Angeles and to come back. And during that time, it was really crazy because about, about, about a month before we left, I get this call from the, um, the regional director of the missionary church in California, you know, the western region of the missionary church. And he says, hey, Mark, um, uh, I, you know, my name is Mike Livingston, and, and I'm going to be retiring um, next year. And so looking for someone to replace me, your name keeps coming up. And I don't even know if you're interested. But if you're interested, I mean, I, I, I really wouldn't mind for you to consider, you know, applying for, to be the, 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 the regional director of the missionary church in California, to which he lives in Los Angeles. And I thought, oh, how convenient, you know. And I thought about that. For like a second, you know? But I kept thinking about that, thinking, man, you know, Michelle's in Los Angeles. You know, get a job in Los Angeles. And, you know, you're just a regional director. That means you don't got to do nothing. Relax. Yeah, hundred-something churches, nothing. The pastors that do all the work, you know, and, and they just work on Sundays. But, um, <clears throat> you know, so I was thinking about that, and I thought, no, you know what? Going for broke means that I got to hold nothing back. And I just kept going back to what God was telling me at that, in that message at that church. Mark, what are you living for? Who are you living for? You know? And it was like he was saying, the ball's in your court. That you got to make a decision. And I kept thinking about the Apostle Paul and how he made a radical decision. He made a decision that just totally changed his life. It, it changed the, really, it changed the trajectory of where his life was headed. 
you know, that, that he made a decision and God wants us to make a decision as well. That what God did in his life, he wants to do in our lives. And I just kept going over Philippians chapter 3, just kept going over that. And I just feel like God has something that he wants to share with us from that chapter in Philippians 3. So you can turn to your Bibles there. Just wanted to highlight a few things that what just came to my mind. You know, in a way, this is just me sharing what's happened to me because I believe that God saying is this more than me. It's about all of us. First thing is this. The one thing that will steal your life from you is this life. The one thing that's going to steal your life from you is this life. Philippians, and what, the, what that means is like, see, because prior to Paul writing this, he describes his life before he met Jesus. That he was taught by some of the most respected rabbis of his time. He was a leader. He was respected as a leader. And he really had a lot of things that most uh, would view as valuable. That he was doing something that he knew, had, that he felt had purpose. He was successful. And Paul was saying that if anybody could have found a reason to live and be successful without Jesus, it was him. You know? And then he comes to this passage where he says, when I met Jesus, when I encountered Jesus, it changed everything. And so in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then he goes on, he says, For his sake, I have discarded, I got rid of everything else, counted it all as garbage, rubbish, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. He said, all the things that I thought was valuable, they were nothing in, compared, in comparison to knowing Christ. Everything he had, you know, all the things that he had in his life and, and his uh, his role and his position, his occupy, all that stuff was worthless in comparison. They're like rubbish, here's, he was saying, in light of, of, of knowing Jesus and experiencing this relationship with him. He said that was worth everything. And we tend to think that fulfillment in life comes by gaining everything. But Paul discovered that by gaining everything, all it leads to is emptiness. And, 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 you know, the things we think is going to bring contentment, all it does is it makes us yearn and, and get tempted for, to get even more because what we have isn't enough. You know? And, but Paul is saying, I once thought the things that I had were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. And the one thing that can steal our lives and our life from us is life itself and the things of this life. That's what Paul is saying. 
that if you just go after the things, you're going after rubbish compared to something so much greater. That if you really want to live life, if you go for the things of life, it's going to steal the very thing you're after. And he says the one thing that will steal your life from you is this life. But then he says the one thing that will bring fulfillment in your life, the one thing that will bring fulfillment in your life is knowing Jesus. See, he discovered that the one thing, the only thing that will bring fulfillment in life is Jesus. He says, yes, everything else is worthless, he says, right? Everything else is worthless. When compared with the infinite value, it's not precious, it's an infinite value of knowing Jesus. And that changed everything for him. It changed his heart. It changed his life. It changed his actions. It changed everything. Because the one thing that can bring fulfillment in our life is knowing Jesus. And the challenge is, and why it's so easy to let the things of this life steal our lives, is because the things of this life, they're great. That they're wonderful. And we could even argue that God directly or indirectly created all these things. And he did. Because they're not inherently bad. Most of these things, unless you're going after naughty things, but the regular things, they're not inherently bad. See, they're not bad. That, that God created those things for our use and pleasure. But the problem is, and it becomes a problem when we, off, when we turn our affections to those things. See, We turn our affections to those things and they replace our affection for the God who created everything. See? You know, and that's what happens. That we get so enamored that all we think about are these are the things that we have. And we lose our affection for the person who's given us everything. And God, he loves us. And, and he's just there. And I can just picture him waiting for us. Because God doesn't come with his lightning bolt and kaboom. Mark, you idiot. <laughs> you know? You love the 49ers more than you love me? Well, they're going to be... One in nine. <laughs> Why don't you do that to the couple? Anyway, he is not. Anyway, sorry, Bob. But, but you see, he waits as he sees us turning to things he created to fulfill us. And he sees that no matter how filled our lives are, we're still unfulfilled and empty. See, he sees our marriages. He sees our marriages. And marriage was God's idea. Make no mistake, marriage was God's idea. One man, one woman, that's marriage. That was God's idea. Okay. And it was, intended, it was intended for our enjoyment. See? And he doesn't get all jealous and everything 
when he sees us loving our wives or loving our husbands, but your wife or your husband will never be enough if you keep looking to them to be what God alone can be for you. If you're looking to them and you're looking at your spouse for fulfillment in life and to fulfill your life, is this going to leave you empty? Because that's not what they were intended to be. Fulfillment comes with Jesus alone. And even something great like marriage, where he's saying, you know, I love your wife, Mark, as Christ loved the church. But if I look at her and say, you know what? She's going to bring fulfillment in my life. It's not going to happen because she was never intended to be that. You know? It's the same with our careers. We think that having a successful career will bring fulfillment. So when we feel empty, we look for something else. And, and we say, well, you know what? Ah, there's, you know, there's got to be something better. But the truth is, maybe you're not in the wrong career. You're just in the wrong pursuit. You know? That, that our occupations cannot occupy the space only Jesus can fill. And so it's not that you're going to go from job to job to job because none of them can bring the fulfillment that only Jesus can. And the same can be said for our family and money and fame and possessions and anything else we believe will bring fulfillment in our lives. And that's why Paul said it's all worthless. It's rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. And it was so, so, so important to Paul that he continues and he says in verse 9b, it goes on and says, so you know what? I no longer count my, on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience a resurrection from the dead. And he's saying, it doesn't matter. Even going through the sufferings with him and experiencing death with him, it's worth it. Because it's only through him that we can experience fulfillment. See, the one thing that can steal your life from you is life, the things of this life. And the one thing, the only thing that can bring fulfillment is a personal relationship with Jesus. And going for broke means that you're going to choose, that you're going to choose, that we're going to choose to change our mind, our heart, our soul, and turn to him. Because knowing him will bring the fulfillment that our hearts all strive for. We don't get a redo in life. But we can start right where we are. And that's the amazing thing about God. See, I look back and think, man, if I only knew now what I knew back then, boy, I could have been a way better father. Could have, should have, would have. But God said, hey, Mark, don't worry 
about it. Just start now. Just start now. Before encountering Jesus, the Apostle Paul led the charge in persecuting Christians, overseeing their death. For that, there was no redo. That was part of his experience. But the amazing thing is God took such a man as that, you know, to so change his life that a, he went from a man who was of, of intense hate to a man who was motivated by intense love. And, and, and he, more than anyone, began to spread the good news about Jesus to his known world. Can you imagine that? A presence that so hated God, so hated Jesus and his followers, that he was willing to persecute, he was willing to go wherever to persecute and kill if necessary. No redo there. But God just changed his life. Philippians 3.12 says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Paul had a past. You have a past. I have a past. Just forgetting that. Looking forward to what lies ahead from right now. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul met Jesus responded to his love, and it changed his life. We don't get reduced in life, but we can start right here, right now, and we can run the race, and we can win the race that God has set before us. See, like Paul, I don't, have a, I don't get reduced in my life. I could have done more, you know? Could have been a better dad. But, but God has a future, and he wants me to finish strong, and he wants me to, fill, for, to live a fulfilled life right now. And how great is that? And as I read this passage, you know, I turned my heart to God, and I opened up McManus's book, and there it was, you know, at the very beginning, on the dedication page was a, was, a, was a verse that I spoke about many times. You know, I thought about, I lived by this. And here was a reminder. It said in Psalm 127 verse 4, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one youth, one's youth. And I knew I knew what God was saying. He was saying, Mark, don't let your love for your children steal your life from you. Being a dad and loving your children is not making sure that they're comfortable within this quiver, in your quiver. You know it, that loving your children 
is what you've always sought to do, to love them, lead them to Jesus, bring them up in Jesus, and then shooting them out as arrows. And God's message was clear. So I went out and bought me a quiver. And I bought a quiver, and I bought 12 arrows. And I got two more kids that we need to shoot out. And so you got two kids that I got to shoot out. And there's just 10 arrows that for me signify the, the next 10 years of my life. Because I said, God, I want these next 10 years to count for something. I want it to be the most productive, best 10 years, the best decade of my life. And I look at these, and I got it right by my bed. And the first thing I see when I get up, and the last thing I see if I lay day down, and I say, God, success in my life is by the end of this decade that this quiver is empty. That I didn't save anything for the next life. And I gave everything I had. You know? If at the end of 10 years, there's just still 12 arrows left, then I really didn't go for broke. Because these arrows are not meant to stay in something like this. Right? You got arrows. And I got arrows. And what God is saying to all of us is save nothing for the next life. Because this is it. We don't get another chance. We don't get another life. And I love these arrows. You know, to think that if this arrow represents John, I like it in here. Looks good in here. I want to carry this with, you know. But that's not what an arrow is for, right? An arrow is to be used. If there's a zombie apocalypse, this arrow is to be used. It does me no good in here. But I, that's what I'm going to do. And at the end of this next year, I'm going to give this arrow to David Doe. You know, he's, he's a born arrow guy. I'll tell, I'll tell uh, Dave to shoot it out. I mean, not, don't kill nobody. Just shoot it out into the mountain. Okay. And then the year after that, shoot that one out. You know, in 10 years, and I want this to be empty. Because that's what going for broke is. That's what God calls us to. That's what God calls you. That's what God calls me. He says going for broke is saving nothing. Holding nothing back for the next life. So why don't, why don't you stand with me this morning? Question is, what's, what's, what's stealing your life? From you. you know, what things in this life are stealing your life from you? And you know, maybe the, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you this morning. I hope He has. And I hope you open your heart to that. And if you sense that there are, are things that are stealing your life, whether it be like me and, and just hanging on to those kids or whatever it is, 
maybe it's time to say, God, maybe today my, my, my step of faith is just letting go a little bit. And I think it's going to ask you to do something kind of bold, all right? But we're all friends. You know, you feel like there's things in your life that are stealing your life from you, things of this life. And most of us, if all of us, we do, right? I'm going to ask you to do something. When these guys are singing that song, maybe if you would just join me in the front. Just face that way. Just join me in the front as a way of saying, God, I don't want to let things in this life steal my life anymore. And this is a step of faith. This is a step of faith. And then afterwards, we'll just pray for all of us that may we be people who never and will not save anything for the next life. All right? So let's just pray. And then if you feel as they sing, come up, come join me in the front. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, your patience, that you don't zap lightning bolts at us. You just patiently wait for us come and turn to you. I pray today that your Holy Spirit was seeking your truth. We thank you in Jesus' name. So this is the Lord. Please come up if you need to.